Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, everybody, welcome back. Let me start with this very quickly. Um, I've written and already published part two, The Hoax of School Shootings on the theamericanclassroom.substack.com. Give that a look if you're interested. Again, I get into more of the common patterns and basically the scripted deception and the same plays that the enemy uses on a regular basis to trick people. It really is the same, the same playbook every single time. They don't roll out the celebrities all of the time, depending on the particular shooting that's taking place. But certainly if there are children involved, that's when they usually try to get celebrities involved. So, of course, I bring in Matthew McConaughey as being the example with Uvalde and how ridiculous that was. And again, what are the odds that he grew up there, allegedly? And then they brought him into the press briefing room, of course, and you can look that up on YouTube. It's one of the worst acting performances that I've ever seen. And people just blindly believe it. But again, these, these individuals are allowed, to, uh, allowed rather to lie to us, which I think is rather terrible. The question, of course, becomes... When are you trying to subvert freedom and independence, and when does that slip into treason and sedition, let alone conspiracy? Because again, most of these fake school shootings have a great deal to do with actual legal conspiracy, which is a crime. Because again, you're talking about more than one person engaging in a scheme to trick people in order to get something in return, which of course is illegal. So. In almost all of these cases, again, in a $2.8 million industry of school security, you're talking about money. Somebody's getting paid. Somebody's getting a kickback. Some policies being implemented where somebody's going to receive a financial kickback. Again, it's all a crime. And that actually leads me to the first thing that I wanted to mention, which I didn't mention in the substack, but I'll mention it now. And it has to do with a separate angle regarding the psychological operation of the Nashville tranny festo thing. Again, I don't believe that the that the you know the girl who walked into the building with an AR and shot through the door and whatever else and was walking around popping off a few rounds. I don't think that that individual wrote any of this. I really don't. I have no proof that that was the case. What is interesting about it, though, is it it in itself. If you just look at it by itself. It is still a psychological operation because of the messaging that existed in that particular script. So again, I'm referring to it as a script because it certainly seems like one. The messaging that existed, of course, was that it was all anti-white. Well, it's anti-white this, anti-white that. They hate white people. They hate white people. They hate these white kids and these rich white kids, and they're tired of it, and that's why they did all of this. So as you heard me say in the last episode, it provides motive, or it certainly justifies motive. But again, you don't need motive to commit a crime. But what's interesting about this scripted motive is that it gives the proverbial right and the political right more ammunition, as if to say again, look, see, they do hate white people. These liberals do hate white people. I'm not saying that they all don't. Plenty of them certainly do. But at the exact same time, it feeds the right. Because between the left and the right, who's more likely to believe a school shooting? And who's more likely to doubt it? 
the right and people on the right, even though they still buy into this, and I'm not sure why, certainly the so-called awake and all of these other individuals who are on social media. I mean, I still see the memes about Nashville. You know, how on earth could a tranny kill kids and we have a mental health problem and blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, all these comedic memes having to do with the tranny, the tranny child killer in a school. Again, no proof they killed anybody, but they just run with it anyway. But what that does is, is by creating that manifesto on hating white people, it gives the doubters on the right, if they were doubting it in the first place, it still gives them metaphorical ammunition in order to say, see, this did happen. They hate white people, and I've known that all this time, and now I'm even more right because they just proved me right. You see what I'm saying? It's just another psychological operation to drag those people back into the pit of mind control without knowing that they're still being controlled and that they're still being manipulated. They, they still have no idea. So again, my baseline on these kinds of shootings and all of these revisiting of particular stories, because again, you may recall, they were consistently revisiting the Uvalde story. Remember, it started off with, well, we want to see the surveillance footage. We want to see it. We've seen pictures now of, of surveillance footage of video, but we haven't seen the actual video. So more and more people started to scream about it, and then you got a, you got a piece of the video. And then people were like, well, that can't be it. Where's the body cam footage? And then they screamed about that a little bit more, and then sure enough, body cam footage showed up. But notice how no one is screaming to see the rest of the security footage inside the Nashville school. No one's doing that. Why? Why is no one doing that? They're not doing that because there is no footage of them killing anybody. And that would destroy the entire, the entire story. Because again, as I said earlier, and as I've said numerous times, as the story went, they shot the custodian from a distance, which means we should see that on camera. And they got in a physical altercation, a hand-to-hand -hand combat fight with an elderly white woman, assuming she was white, she may have been Jewish, but either way, an elderly woman who was the principal of the school to then only be knocked to the ground and then shot to death by the shooter. We should be able to see that. There should be footage of that someplace. They never specified where that tussle took place. They didn't say if it was in an office or in a hallway, but they claimed in the story, as the script went, that the principal was a hero and a martyr and ran up to this female student with a gun and, again, got in a physical altercation. They can't release the footage because the footage wouldn't tell that story. It just wouldn't. So again, to continue to trick the people, certainly on the right, with the political message that they want to hear, which is, give again, give them what they want. That's the Freemasonic message. Always give them what they want. Well, what, what did they get in the Tranifesto? They got the rantings and ravings of, of an alleged individual yelling about how much they hate white people and how much they hate capitalism and rich kids and their dads and parents driving Mustangs and whatever else. I mean, it was ridiculous. It, it made zero sense. 
But what it did do was it filled a gap in these fake school shootings that has never been filled yet before, which again was a fake, uh, you know, I was going to say tranny festo, a fake manifesto ranting about people on the right. Now, again, that could be taken another way, too. Someone could, someone could interpret that and say, well, see, the people on the right and all of their white privilege is what led this individual to do this. That could be the, that could be the counter argument. But it doesn't matter what the argument is because the whole thing is a script and the whole thing is fake. And as a result, now the Nashville Police Department has done what? They've allegedly suspended seven of their officers for allegedly leaking this particular tranny festo. Again, why seven of them? What are their names? What's the punishment going to be? And again, not only why seven of them, but why would it take seven people to leak a three-page document? Or what looked like two folders? or two journals, one with a spiral notebook and then the other one not. Why does that take seven people? So I don't buy it. I still don't buy it. Every step in this is, again, a way to immediately show more alleged motive that something happened, and then at the exact same time attempt to show accountability for doing something that they were scripting out anyway. So again, the the leak of it, the leak of this fake document saying what it said was intentional by the script writers and the script holders. And then the so-called suspension of these police officers was also a part of the script. Well, we'll just tell the public we'll suspend them and then that'll satisfy that. Because again, we we, we didn't want that message out there for a variety of political reasons and all the other excuses that they use. It's exhausting. It's exhausting because every time they revisit it, they're proving to people that it didn't happen. I mean, the next thing they're going to do is what? Bring out Melissa Joan Hart one more time to tell everybody about her experience and what she thinks about all of this? She's an actress and a bad one. Matthew McConaughey, are we going to get his take on 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 Uvalde one more time just to bring that hoax back. They have to keep it fresh in people's minds, just like the fake Sandy Hook parents. That's why every single time a trigger gets pulled, you see Nicole Hockley everywhere. You see her face all over the place. She's on, again, YouTube is in on it too. And you know this because every single time, if you watch YouTube at all, or you, again, start to click through a particular video and the ads pop up, Every single time there's some kind of a school shooting, the Sandy Hook Promise nutbags all show up in those scripted, uh, you know, the scripted ads. Well, there's been another shooting, but here at Sandy Hook Promise, we care about you and we want you to donate to our slush fund. It's racketeering at a level that, you know, is is just mind-boggling. I mean, there's other large examples, but. Fake school shootings is big business, in particular for the criminals who are engaging in the hoax. And they come back every single time, all the time. And I want to revisit just this one particular story. I told this you know, a long time ago, and I did this during graduate school when 
I was done writing a paper about school security, and that's when I went down the Sandy Hook rabbit hole. And I immediately started to connect the dots and apply the scientific method. And I said, this doesn't, this doesn't sound right. This doesn't pass the sniff test. And it didn't. And that's back when YouTube still had all the, the Sandy Hoax videos and the Sandy Hoax documentaries that were still on there, which was great. I loved being on YouTube back then because I was there to watch the entire implosion of it and watch uh, you know, all of these videos just be deleted right in front of my eyes, practically as I'm watching them. But I archived a ton of them, and I have them all on external hard drives. But Nicole Hockley herself, who's one of the more visible, washed-up actresses, B-actresses, who, again, doesn't have a kid, let alone one that died uh, in some fake school shooting, but she actually made her way to a local high school about 35 minutes away from where I live. And sure enough... She was there and she was on stage and she was giving a giant presentation about school security and how she lost her son in Sandy Hook. And they filled the gymnasium or the auditorium with students and staff and everybody just drank it in. Everybody just drank it in like it was, like it was real, like it happened. That made the newspaper, as you would expect. It made the, the, uh, the Tri-County newspaper. And I immediately emailed the entire school afterwards i emailed all of the all of the board members all of the administrators all of the history teachers and all of the science teachers and i told them all and i mean that's a lot of people it was oh i don't know i'd say at least at least 2 dozen it was at least 2 dozen individuals all in one email all in the exact same email and they all got it but not a single person emailed me back. And what I said in the email was, not only did this not happen, but here are videos that you need to watch that will prove to you this didn't happen. Nicole Hockley is a liar. Nicole Hockley is a con artist. And everybody who went along with it, including the government, are con artists. I gave them a history on the revision of the Smith-Munt Act. I'm sure they had no idea what that even was. But again, I linked all of, uh, you know, at least a handful of videos and documentaries along with the timeline. I said the school was not a school. It was a book depository because of the hurricane that went through the East Coast there, and it flooded the building. The building was filled with mold. There was no internet connection to the building. There were no security cameras. There was nothing. It was not a school building. Not a single email back. Not one. Now again, what happened behind the scenes in that school building regarding my, my email message, I have no idea. Maybe it just popped into their spam folder and every single one of those people just happened to delete it without even reading it. That's possible. What's also possible is that someone, some higher up, received the email and then replied to everybody except me and said, do not reply to this person. This person doesn't know what they're talking about and they're clearly a whack job and and they don't know what's going on. So whatever you do, do not reply to this person. Well, that's suspicious too, isn't it? So the larger picture here is this. Freemasons are everywhere within these organizations. The CIA has been doing this for a very long time. People cannot grasp the depth of lying and manipulation by the CIA. It happens with everything. Everything on the TV, everything on the radio, 
all of it is just constant manipulation. But for people to just not know that or not want to learn that, and then again, not apply the scientific method and figure out why they're being manipulated and how they're being manipulated and when and who and where, the who, what, where, when, why, and how, that person's not going to make it. That person's going to walk through life not being a thinking person. They're going to be taken advantage of. They're going to make decisions that they think they're, that are their own but are not. And then what do you have? You end up with a triple-jabbed individual who thinks that, uh, you know, COVID exists and uh, shots are medicine. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else to say, but there you go. So anyway, you can bounce over and check out that Substack one more time. Again, I break down a number of different things and a num- number of different examples. Even at the end, I bring up the old duck and cover from the 1950s and 1960s. Again, duck and cover, get under your desk during a nuclear explosion. That was psychological warfare. Still happens. Still happens to this day. It's the same playbook. It's just that the plays inside of the playbook are far more advanced today, in particular with the way that the internet is and the media operates and social media and video and audio manipulation and all of it. And as I've brought up before, and I certainly said it at the time, there's no proof that the Nashville footage was all taken on the same day. Because again, the so-called shooter had two separate pairs of shoes. They had one pair when they were walking in, and they had one pair when they allegedly got shot on the second floor. Two separate pairs and two separate styles of Vans shoes. That's, That's a fact. Your eyes won't lie on that. The pictures are out there, and even, this is where the gaslighting takes place, the pictures are so frequently available and out there on the internet that they'll show both pictures of both different kinds of shoes, but the media will put the word debunked on top of the picture to try to trick you into believing that what you're looking at is in fact not true that it's been debunked that they didn't change shoes and these are not different shoes. I saw one post that said, uh, you know, don't forget that, um, you know, the, the, the second picture of the shoes, that's blood spatter. That's not the flames that were on the shoe as a part of the, the shoe design. It's just blood. Well, there's also yellow on the, on the second shoe, on the flame. The flame on the van's shoe was red and yellow. Now, I don't know about you, but unless you're Big Bird, everybody's blood is red, not yellow. So why are there flames on the shoe that are red and yellow, and you're trying to trick people into believing that that's the color of blood? It's retarded. But again, they don't care. They're holding up four fingers in front of you and saying, how many fingers am I holding up? And you're saying four, and then they slap you across the face and say no. It's 1984 from that from that standpoint. That's that that's really how strong they don't want you to know the truth. Again, they will show you a picture of a giraffe and say what is this? And you'll say it's a giraffe and they'll say no it isn't, it's an elephant. And they'll just keep repeating it to you over and over again. So, there you go. Now in that same wavelength, let me bring this up. This of course has to do with Election fraud and 
I have no doubt that there was rampant election fraud all across the nation. Thus far, we, we know for a fact that there was voter fraud in Pennsylvania, parts of Virginia, to say the least, certainly Kentucky. I have no doubt that there was probably voter fraud in Ohio, probably every state, including Maricopa County, Arizona, yet again. Sorry for the reference here, but this is the Gateway Pundit, and it says the Maricopa County Elections Department oversaw another third world election on Tuesday where polling locations closed early, unannounced, and voters were forced to drive around town looking for a place to vote. Again, this is the second time in two straight elections that this has happened. And what's happening? Where's the accountability? Which leads me really to this, and this continues to be a huge, huge problem. The malaise that exists with this voter fraud subject, I'm glad that the subject of voter fraud has come around and, and more people know about it. The first time, again, I, I learned about voter fraud, it had to do with the Nixon and Kennedy election. And again, Nixon won when he was initially running against, uh, I'm sorry, Kennedy won when he was running against Nixon. And then I learned about that entire process. And I learned that ultimately they told Nixon, hey, look, you're going to lose. We're going to engage in voter fraud to make sure that Kennedy wins. But don't worry, eventually you'll be president. And he, Nixon was like, all right, that's fine. Thanks. And then that turned out to be the case. So that's when I realized again that Voter fraud consistently occurs all of the time. Now, since the beginning of voting, voting fraud has existed, and, and we know that too. The problem now is, is that you have paper ballots and machines. As we all know, again, I, this is all rhetorical, but you have endless individuals that are believing these, these machines, and then if there is a problem with the machine, People are so gaslit on voter fraud to this point that they can be told, hey, don't worry, you know, put your ballot, cast your ballot anyway, we'll count it later, it'll be fine. Or they'll say, take your paper ballot and shove it into this box that we're calling the emergency box or the we'll count it later box, and people just do it. And then they go back to their miserable lives or whatever they do for a living or, you know, wherever they live. And they say, well, that was a weird experience, but oh, well, that's the voting process. See, that's not good enough, which, which again, kind of leads me to this point. Something has to give here regarding voter fraud. Something's got to give. I've said it before on the show. I'm not the only person that shares this opinion. There has to be something that triggers a military control over the voting system to where no machines are used, only paper ballots are used, and those ballots are counted by people in the military assuming that those people can be trusted. Because here's what I want to see the next time I vote. And again, I have no flipping idea what's going to happen in 2024. We've pontificated about that at length here on the show. Lots of other people are doing that. I fully understand. I'll probably keep doing it. But what I would love to see are fatigues at the voting, at the voting polls and the voting stations at every single voting station. I want to see a military vehicle, at least two. I want military people running 
the polling places. I don't want civilians touching it with a 10-foot pole. I truly don't. I want people in the military who are trained to handle these elections to take them over. What I also want them to do is I want them to get the get the uh the election the electioneer people, so to speak, you know, the the lingering people who just hang around in the parking lot and tell people how to vote or suggest that people vote a particular way. I want those assholes gone. I want them gone. I told my dad the other day, before he went and voted, I said, hey, uh, you got to do me a favor. I said, when you show up to vote in the school parking lot, and you show up in the parking lot, rather, before you walk into the school to vote, they always have a person in the parking lot handing out these bookmarks that basically tell everybody to vote on every single left-wing ideology and every left-wing issue and every left-wing person. I said, do me a favor and just yell at that person, will you? Without hesitation, he goes, no problem. So apparently he and my mom went at the same time, and that's what he did. He just yelled at him and goes, get the hell out of here. Go home. You're not supposed to be here. And the guy turned and looked at him and was like, all right, have a nice day. You have a nice day. And he, and he stayed. He didn't leave. But again, these people aren't supposed to be around. We, we, need, we need people to be reminded of what is really supposed to go on during an actual election. And I'm not saying that there's fraud because I voted on a particular issue and that issue ended up losing or not passing or whatever it was. Or I voted for a person and that person lost, which means there's fraud. No, there's always been fraud. There's always been voter fraud. And it's not going to go away. But it'll only go away. If it goes away, it's only going to go away when everybody is reminded at the national level with some kind of a message, like a V for Vendetta message that goes out to everybody that says, voter fraud occurred in 2020. This is 100% proven. Now, with that aside for a second, Donald Trump keeps saying this kind of stuff in his speeches. He keeps saying, I mean, he said it the other day in Florida. I'll put that audio in the in the uh, in the next war video here, but he said he said that exact same thing. He said people are going to find out that there was voter fraud here in the next in the, in the next few months. That we're going to show the people that that was the case in the next few months. Well, that's great, but it's got to happen in a way that's different than any other way it's been presented in the past. The voter fraud from 2020 has been presented to so many people on so many different platforms and so many avenues across so many states over the over the last 3 years that we know there's voter fraud but you've got to do it in a way now that's going to shake people to the core and it really does have to send a message to everyone in order to get everybody's attention again whether that's an internet shutdown whether that's a ba- you know, all the banks close the cable goes out, and then we receive another emergency message on the phone that says, "Your government is compromised." Um, you know the the good guys are in charge, something along those lines. I know some of this sounds a little like Operation Trust from that angle, but at the exact same time, there has to. My my only point is is that there has to be a larger message that shakes people to the core. Just you know, publishing a story about oh look, there was voter fraud in Maricopa County again, or oh look, voting machines were changing the votes in Pennsylvania again, and then everybody just goes, well, there's nothing we can do about it. 
and then they just go back to doing whatever they're doing. That can't happen anymore. Again, look at the COVID shots, same kind of thing. Everybody knows that they're bioweapons for the most part, and a lot of people don't. Just like elections. A lot of people know there's voter fraud, 100%. A lot of people don't. But when you take this, either proof or an allegation or a complaint or whatever to law enforcement, what do they do? They look at each other, like what Kim Carter experienced in the Hamilton County Sheriff's Department with a detective. They just look at you and say, well, have you taken that to social media? Like the court of public opinion is actually going to drop a gavel on someone or pull out a sword and engage in an execution that is, that is legally just. That's not going to happen. That's not the way that social media operates. We, aren't ha- we have no law enforcement in this country is my point. And again, it's not a black pill. I'm just saying something else has to happen here. The final shoe has to drop. Something has to give. And if Trump this entire time has been saying, hey, look, we're going to show the people something they've never seen before. They're going to experience something that, that we, we, we haven't experienced in our lifetime. Great. That's great. I hope it's true. And I hope it happens. And time's running out. Again, I'm not behind the scenes here working some some particular plan, and and I know the timeline of anything. But as I've said before, it certainly seems like something's got to happen between now and 2024, because I don't think the American people are going to stand Donald Trump having another stolen election in 2024. If that happens, people will take to the streets and they will kill people. That will happen. There will be a civil war, the likes of which we haven't seen certainly in our lifetime in the streets in America after 2024. Because if you play that scenario out one more time, just like the scenario was played out, and again, we were told that 2020 was going to be stolen well in advance. We knew it. We knew that they were just going to say Joe Biden won, and then everybody would just go, okay, fine. I guess he won. Even though, again, lots of lawsuits occurred and people complained and there were tours around the country and all of that. And of course, all the, all the fraud was shown, which is what had to happen. I have no doubt that that was a plan. That was certainly a positive psychological operation in order to wake people up to rampant voter fraud in every state. No doubt about it. But it can't happen again. And we can't allow it to happen again. At least I don't think the old white hats behind the scenes can let it happen again one more time for 2024 and expect people to not get killed. That'll end up happening. Because again, how often do you want to keep seeing people on the left wing laughing because they think that they won an election when in fact they didn't win anything? And how often do you want to see your taxes increase? And how often do you want to see any kind of a civil society or moral society decay, and the walls close in, before what? Before you lose everything? Something has to give is my overall point. Something else has to occur. So, there you go. Along those same lines, Sicily in New Mexico sent me this. It says the following, and apparently this was on the ballot and people voted for this. It's called Capital Improvements tax question. 
Shall the Artesia Public School District number 16 continue to impose a property tax of $2 per each $1,000 of net taxable value for property within the district under the property tax code, which includes residential, non-residential, and oil and gas for the property tax years 2024, 25, 26, 27, 28, and 29? For the purpose of, one, it says erecting, remodeling, making additions to, providing equipment for, or furnishing public school buildings, including teacher housing and pre-kindergarten classrooms. And this is for the Artesia public school system. 81% of the people voted yes for that, and 19% voted no. And there were a total of 1,113 votes. 997 people voted yes for higher taxes from now until 2029. Blows me away. Again, you, you, can, never, you can never shortchange the presence of brainwashing. That's an, that's an ever-present thing here. But like I said in the last, in the last episode, I think I said it, how much longer are we going to have to wait on the brainwashed to finally wake up? We're running out of time here, is my whole point. We're running out of time, and something's got to give. Because I'm not seeing the voter, the voter fraud outrage this time the way that it was last year with Carrie Lake. I'm not seeing it the same as it was, of course, in 2020. The gaslighting is working. It's sucking people back into the matrix of a malaise kind of thinking. That, well, you know, voter fraud, or they're going, well, we lost another one. Okay, back to the drawing board. Again, there were, there were victories without a doubt. There were school districts all across the United States that tried to put tax levies on and they failed. That's great. That's absolutely fantastic. There's also lots of school districts that put tax levies on and, again, Given the purposeful destruction of our economy and the dollar, there were endless individuals who again decided to continue to tax themselves straight into the grave. God only knows why. Again, they're brainwashed. They think they're helping somebody by casting their vote for their own higher taxes for them to lose more money. It's beyond embarrassing. But something else has to happen here. There's no way that there are all bad people in the government. Certainly, individuals working behind the scenes who cannot, who who are avoiding looking at what's happening. But we're not hearing politicians talk about it for obvious reasons. No one in law enforcement's talking about fraud. That's not happening. Count, county commissioners aren't talking about fraud. That's not happening. They're also not talking about COVID being a biological weapon and killing everybody who takes it. So. Two heads of the, you know, two heads of the same snake, unfortunately. And it just kind of keeps just kind of keeps rolling. Let me mention this too. This was interesting, and it pretty much answers my question. Based on what I said in the last episode about Ohio legalizing dope. This was a comment by an individual who listens to my show and, and listens to it on BitChute. And thank you for the comment. Uh, it, it, this individual goes by this one can see. They said the following quote, Hi Sean. 
They said the way cannabis intoxication is handled is that DUI becomes DWI. They said the same laws that apply to DUI apply to DWI, a.k.a. the THC in the bloodstream. They thus make money, or they, maybe they must make money, by taxing the products and now creating a whole new criminal class. In California, you cannot refuse a blood test. If you do, you're charged with refusal to submit, quote-unquote. Your license is automatically suspended for a year, and another year is added to your license suspension upon a guilty finding. And then they demand it on every single DUI stop. You have 10 days to appeal to the DMV board via a hearing. The court is not even involved, and there is no appeals process. Oh, you have a medical marijuana license? Question mark. It does not matter in the least, they said. These dummies have no idea what they just brought upon themselves. They should have consulted Californians. And then they said, it's another Jew-controlled extortion racket to rob and enslave, unquote. I replied back, and I basically just said, I have no reason to disagree with that. The people, again, who are like, hell yeah, I get free weed. I can put a $10 bill in a, in a dope dispensary, and I can get a couple of pre-rolled joints, and I'll be great. If that person is pulled over, then... Apparently, at least in California, this is the process. If you refuse a blood test or you refuse any kind of a field sobriety, doesn't matter, your license is gone. It's incredible. These, these, these flipping idiots have no idea what they've done, and I completely agree with this post. I totally agree with it. I have no reason to doubt it whatsoever. There's no way that they would put on that certainly the legislature themselves wouldn't have something already worked out to where if someone was pulled over for dope or under suspicion of being high and they refused a blood test, whether the person, you know, the cop smells it in their car, looks in their bloodshot eyes, whatever it is, and then makes a determination as to whether or not they're high or not, that they get their license taken away instantly without any kind of due process. That would probably happen. Why not? They write tickets for distracted driving because they think that you're texting. Maybe you're just changing the radio station. Maybe you're just picking up a french fry that you dropped on the ground next to your, you know, next to your leg on the floor of the car. Well, you were you were texting and driving. I saw you. No, I wasn't. Well, here's your ticket for hundreds of dollars for texting and driving. You know, there's again, there's no jury. There's nothing. It's their way or the highway. It's ridiculous. Why people would vote for larger government is astounding to me. And I don't want to hear the, you know, the, you know, the, the medicinal use of dope excuse. Whatever, you know, that outweighs, none of that outweighs the medicinal use of dope and, you know, the, uh, the positive side effects as a result, in particular when you have cancer. I mean, look, the cure for cancer exists and you don't even have to use dope. You don't even have to go to the hospital and take the poisons. We've been over that by now. And like I said in the last episode, if a person wants to get loaded, you can just smoke CBD and, well, you'll get high. 
Again, this isn't the dope from, you know, your, your grandpappy's farm back in the 1960s. This is something else. The way that the edibles are, the way that kids just eat the edibles and then they overdose and they wonder why, you know, they feel like they're growing a tail. This kind of stuff is is beyond dangerous. And again, it's going to tax more people. And it's going to set more people up to, again, not be legal drivers. So I have no doubt with the post. Makes complete and utter sense. Thanks for making the post. I appreciate it. And again, if anybody has more information on the legal aspect of uh, of marijuana and and what you know and basically how the laws have changed as a result of it becoming legalized and the problems that it's caused, certainly uh, you know email me whatever information you have. I'll certainly learn about it and read it on the show without a doubt. And as you would expect, there's also the the school aspect of all of it. You legalize something like this, it just finds its way into the school with more ease. Now, in the town where I live, it's a university town. Anybody over the age of 18, at least I think that's what the provision basically states, can now obtain legal marijuana. Well, aren't there 18-year-olds in high school too? Maybe not too many of them, but there are some. So those individuals are going to start being dealers for 17-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 15-year-olds, all the way through middle school. It's just a link in the chain that's now been connected, taking what used to be an illegal drug that, of course, it, it always existed in high school, but certainly at the college level, at least in modern times, over the last 30-plus years, if not longer than that, of course, and now it's just made its way into the high school and middle school environment. And frankly, with a level of ease that's never existed before. I'm not saying it was difficult to get marijuana in high school when I was a student. It certainly wasn't. And marijuana existed when I was a school teacher within the high school where I worked also. I mean, everybody knew who was high, what student was high. You could look at their face and tell. You can always, for the most part, look at a drug user, look them right in the face, and you can tell whether or not they're using drugs. It's the way they dress. It's the way they talk. It's the way that they walk, it's the way they smell, it's the way they do everything. I remember looking at a kid that I had once when I was teaching anatomy and physiology. He came into my class, he reeked of dope. And I pulled him aside and I said, look, man, I said, you're not in trouble. I'm not going to suspend you. I'm not even going to write you up for anything. I said, but I know that you're high. And he goes, what? (laughs) And I said, look, I know you're high. I said, I can see it in your face. I said, your eyes are glassy as hell, and you smell like shit. I said, so here's what we're going to do. I said, you've got to stop using because you're numbing your mind, and you're not learning anything. And I started to tell him about the nefarious aspect of illicit drugs and what they do to people and why government pushes them on people and why people are always trying to legalize it. So they're not trying to legalize it because it's not harmful. They're trying to legalize it because it is harmful, and they want you to harm yourself without you knowing it, because they want control over you. I explained this to him. His eyes started to get a little big, and I said, they don't want you healthy. I said, government doesn't want you healthy. They want you dead. Then what happened was, is he slowly started to stop using, because his conscience kicked in. He even told me a story about how he knows he's disappointing his mom when he gets high, and his mom's yelled at him about it, and he says, and it's just he and his mom living in, living in their house, 
and he wants to be able to, again, support her with money and a lot of other things. And I said, yeah, you need to do that then. Sure enough, 10 days passed, and he started to look completely different. The blood came back to his face. He looked healthy. His eyes were, were bright. He completely changed his entire look. He started to sound coherent for the first time ever. And then he pulled me aside and he goes, I haven't used in at least 10 days. He goes, you're right. I feel great. I feel great. I've got way more energy. I said, good. Now exercise. Put some muscle on your body. Eat right. And you'll, you'll find yourself even sleeping better. Again, I know that there's medicinal use for it, even for sleeping, for PTSD, a thousand other things. I fully get it. I'm just saying it's going to make its way into the school environment now at a lower level, way past middle school. I mean, yes, it's always existed in elementary schools too, but now it's going to be far more frequent. And the normalization of that frequency is the problem. That's a bad frequency. And that's a frequency, again, that's on a government wavelength that wants us sick and wants us dead. So I'm not going to support that. I never do. But there you have it. All right. There is this one education story I want to bring up. Well, actually, there's a couple. Um, first of all, very briefly, Loudoun County, Virginia, apparently their school board had two incumbents who, of course, have been associated with all of the illegality that's taken place there, the rape in the bathroom from the tranny, uh, pretending to be a girl when they were a boy and then raping the girl. There was all of that, along, of course, with all of the financial misdeeds, the stealing, the surveillance of parents, etc., etc. Apparently, two of their Democrat incumbents on the school board lost. And I think at least one of them was a major George Soros lawyer. And she lost also by at least a thousand votes. So that's nice, but it's not going to change anything. It's not really going to change the environment. Like I said in the last episode, you know, you can change an entire school board, but it's not going to fix all the problems that are there. Walking away from Loudoun County is the way that you fix it. And as I said in previous episodes, and as the information was thrown my way from individuals who live closer to it, Loudoun County has lost 900 students as a result, which means they are in financial dire straits. That's how you cripple a school building. That's how you cripple a school district, and that's how you take it down. You take it down by not going anymore. You don't take it down by voting in new people and voting harder. And, you know, this person is going to be here, and then they're going to make this policy happen for me. And, I can keep sending my kid into the meat grinder. It's still a meat grinder. Doesn't matter who's managing the meat grinder. Doesn't matter if the bosses change, so to speak. You can't get, I mean, you're not getting rid of, at least not yet, all the pornographic books. You're certainly not getting rid of the, the radical teachers and the radical administrators that, that work there. That's not happening. You get rid of all of those people by walking away from the entire school district and homeschooling yourself. That's how it gets done. That's the way it gets done. Which leads me to this too. Actually, I have more than, sorry, I have more than one education story. I want to mention this because this was an email that was sent to me by a listener of the show. And 
they're they're clearly a fantastic person. They they know what's going on um, within their child's school district. They know it's a bad school district, and they asked me my two cents as to what I thought about particular situations that had taken place and what was going on. And I want to I want to bring this up, and again, I'll leave their name out of it and the location out of it. But the 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 examples that they bring up are very interesting and very prevalent. And it's not, of course, specific to just where they live. This happens everywhere. So here's what I'm going to do. I just want to get kind of into the meat of this particular email. But again, they, they talk about their daughter, and they talk about the way that their daughter is being treated and, and being mentally manipulated again by their own peers in the, in the, in the school environment. We're talking about a brick-and-mortar school, clearly. Um, and then same thing, again, with the teachers and the, the administrators and so on and so on. They said the following here. They said, but I'm working against things I fully don't understand and need some help. I cannot express my gratitude enough for the work you're doing and all the information that you have shared. They said, I won't write a book here, but I'll give you some brief examples of things that have not sat right with me. Please keep in mind that these are just a basic description for the sake of time. I hope you don't find them confusing. It was absolutely fantastic, by the way. They bullet pointed their stuff, and then I emailed them back uh, answers to to all of their their situations here and, and certainly their questions. You can probably take a guess as to what my final prescription was regarding all of this, and it really is to homeschool, that using, using abeka.com as a framework and not the only framework, but it's the accredited framework to, again, enroll your child in a school. And that's, of course, done online. The foundation of your new school now, if you leave this brick-and-mortar environment, the foundation of the new school that the family builds is the family. It's the home environment, which is supposed to be safe. It's the family. It's God. That's the foundation. And then from there, the walls for example, are a Becca, and then you use other you use other things, and you just learn information, and that's just it. Just it comes far more naturally that way than anything that they'll ever experience in a brick and mortar school. So here's what they said: the first point that they said was registering online for the 2022-23 school year had parents giving permission for their child's pictures to be used in publications their work being available to third parties, so on, having each having rather one box to check, but reviewing the printed document showed an extra box, checked, giving permission that we don't read originally. So again, my answer to that was, you've heard Vanessa Hurst on the show bring that up a long time ago when she was, when she was a guest here. The two of us went through all of that online surveillance apparatus. She more specifically than me, clearly, because she had kids in the system and I, and I don't. She was closer to it. But they're taking pictures of these children and they're putting them on Google. They're putting them on their Chromebooks. The entire district can access them. And then again, a third party outside company has access to them also. The whole thing is nefarious. The whole thing is beyond suspicious. The next point that they said, of course, was social emotional learning. What the F? Again, social-emotional learning was brought in like a Trojan horse, and I'll fully admit I bought into it initially when I was a school teacher. It showed up when I was a school teacher, and I thought to myself, well, I'm a health education teacher. 
social emotional learning makes sense. You're teaching them about the environment, which is what I was doing. I was teaching them how to be safe in the environment so that they could maximize learning. So I thought. What social emotional learning became, of course, was it became a replacement for learning factual content. That let's just sit around and talk about our feelings. That's problematic for a variety of reasons because it starts to turn every single school teacher into a therapist, which unfortunately is what we're seeing, not not just in America, but everywhere. That everybody's attempting to be a counselor. Counselors can't even be counselors in K-12 schools. But social emotional learning was a Trojan horse and it was a bad one. In fact, after reading the Leipzig connection, I learned that social-emotional learning has been around since the 50s, and that that right there was when the scheme was implemented by the likes of Edward Thorndike and all these other lunatics who are considered the, uh, the fathers of modern educational psychology. So social-emotional learning is a very bad thing, without a doubt. Uh, let's see. Their next one says, at the end of the 22-23 school year, the day before the last conference, the principal sent an email to all the teachers directing them to make sure that they know how to address their students in front of their parents, as to not expose certain gender-specific situations that students don't feel comfortable with their parents knowing. This was, this was what made me realize our nation's problems have come to our own, our own doorstep. No doubt about it. The subversion, again, of, of getting well, driving the wedge, I'll just say, I've said it before, but driving the wedge in between the school environment and the home environment is ever-present, and that's a Bolshevik tactic. And the people implementing this, in many cases, have no idea that it's a Bolshevik tactic. Why? Because you don't learn about Bolshevism in school. You don't learn about Jewish Bolshevism in school and the tactics that they employed that led to the deaths of tens of millions of people. They, have, they aren't taught this. They're also not taught, I should say, the, the end of Bolshevism and what the end game and end goal of Bolshevism looks like. And the end goal is always the same. Your head up against a wall with a gun in it and a, and a trigger gets pulled and then you expire. That's the end of Bolshevism. That's the end goal of it. That, if, that even if you go along with it, knowingly, you're still going to end up dead. That's it. So, any school administrator or school teacher driving a wedge between the parents and the child, and then you take it a step further, to play all the gender-bending games, to convince them to cut their genitals off, and so on and so forth, that's Bolshevism. It's Satanism as well. So again, if a person needs more evidence to leave, well, that should be it, because they're Bolshevik environments. Again, you don't have any due process as a student in school. If you raise a complaint, you assume the right thing is going to happen because there's naivete involved, and unfortunately, you find out that you have no recourse, that they're just going to do whatever they have to do. Again, look at the school district where I live. They let a school teacher quit instead of firing him when he decided to grab students' breasts and, and female students' breasts on more than one occasion. And they tried to hide it the first time. So there you go. 
The next bullet point, they said, last year Common Core was discontinued with no communication to the parents. This is an interesting one also. Common Core, as a buzz phrase, has just disappeared. The ideology is ever-present. It's still there. The very name Common Core implies communism. That's, that's all that that means. It also means, again, more Bolshevism, and it means more confusion. More 1984, you know, I'm holding up four fingers. How many am I, am I holding up? You say four, and then they say, no, it's five. It's the, same kind of, it's the same kind of concept. They just don't use the phrase Common Core much anymore. Because all of the textbooks and the online curriculum that they build for these schools that are embedded into their Chromebooks, it's already there. It's already present. So they don't have to use the phrase Common Core in order to still accomplish the same goals. Uh, the next one, they said, last year an email was sent, sent out rather, making parents aware that the students were going to be given surveys. Parents may opt out by clicking the link below, quote unquote. Well, there was no link. I brought this to the attention of the proper people the day I went in with a written opt out and her response in real time, without thinking clearly, I assume, was to say, quote, we know the link wasn't working, and then turning to the secretary, have they included it yet, they asked. Again, under no circumstance should a student be taking any kind of a survey in school whatsoever. There's no reason for them to do it. The only thing that they're legally obligated to do is to take the state standardized test once a year. That's it. Any other test or survey that they are given or thrown, they do not need to take. And they need to opt out immediately. Now, what they do with regularity, these school districts, is they will snatch, as I've said before, they'll snatch a kid, a student, out of a classroom and they will put them in front of a computer and say, you need to take this because it's a diagnostic test to see what class you're going to be in next year, but you have to take this now. That's not true. They can't do that without the parent's consent. And they always do it without the parent's consent. Very rarely do they tell the parents, hey, look, your kid is going to be subjected to numerous tests throughout the year that are going to be diagnostic tests, or there might be surveys and blah, blah, blah. They might even have that in the small print on all those forms that parents just blindly sign at the beginning of a school year without even reading any of the fine print. That's why you don't have to sign all those forms at the beginning of the year either. In many cases, you're signing your kid away to government, and that's beyond dangerous. They said this too. This was the next, uh, next post. They said, last year, I had a meeting with the curriculum coordinator to ask questions fresh off the panorama deep dive train. She was vague, placating, and showed me the bare minimum of information while showing concern for why I was asking, hoping to play on my emotions instead of sticking to the facts. Yeah. I could spend an entire episode on curriculum directors. Curriculum directors are do-gooders, and uh, curriculum directors are bootlickers and, and, and paper stampers. That's the best way I can, I can describe it. They make more money than a school teacher makes for doing far less. And the reason that they make the amount of money that they make is because they do exactly what they're told. That's it. They get to go to conferences at the national level from time to time. 
basically be re-indoctrinated as to what's occurring that's brand new in the environment. And then before you know it, they bring those messages right back to the school district where the superintendent already knows what messages they're bringing back. And then they, as an entire force, bring it back to each individual school district in, or each school building rather, and then each individual department. And then before you know it, everybody's doing something completely different from one year to the next. And it's all because of the curriculum director liaison who works between bigger government and the actual classroom itself. No one should control curriculum because that's controlling learning. It's controlling what you're learning. And no one should ever control what you learn. You should be able to learn the realities of the world that we live in nonstop, censor free. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It has to be that way, but that's not the way that it operates. Um, let's see here. They then said this. Here's another bullet point they said. Quote, last year, met with the superintendent. This is an interesting one. Met with a superintendent new to us. I found myself questioning the importance of transparency. I explained my concerns with social-emotional learning and panorama legit concerns with evidence in hand. And they said preposterous situations my daughter had been a victim in caused by unethical staff members. Told him my expectations for follow-through after our meeting, including contacting me within 45 days per board policy. Having total transparency as the ongoing investigation happened, being on the same page is crucial, I said. Him being agreeable, and then I asked a question, do I need to put any of this in writing for you? As per board policy, I mused. No, he felt his notes should provide enough info. And if he had questions, he could contact me. Bingo, he deliberately told me the wrong answer. I never heard from him again. Unquote. I don't know the specific situation that they are referencing, but I do know this about superintendents. They don't give jack shit about you as parents or students. They don't care. What they don't want, by and large, is someone to get killed on a, on, a, on a school campus because that reflects poorly on them, in particular, if they knew about something in advance and they did nothing about it. But, by and large, superintendents do not care. The dead giveaway with a superintendent is trying to be a people pleaser is they will claim that they're going to talk to the public and that they want the public's input and that they are a man of the a man or woman of the people and that they want to sit in on IEP meetings and parent conferences and and that this is what they do because they they love the details and they they love caring about everybody and spinning many plates and you know this that and the other they're a real down to earth person it's all horseshit all of it by and large is complete and utter horseshit these individuals do not care about you. They don't want to be in these meetings. It's not even their job. It's not their job to sit in on any of these meetings, and it's not even their job to protect children in these individual buildings. That's delegated to the administrators and resource officers of an individual building. So having a superintendent blow off a parent, it's par for the course, to be frank. It's really par for the course. 
most of the superintendents that I've ever worked around, and when I say that, I didn't actually work for these people. Um, I never considered myself an employee of theirs, nor did I consider them my boss. But they are they were always the most slimy and the most criminally minded. The, the very first superintendent that was the superintendent in the district where I worked, he stole hurricane money to uh, landscape his entire lawn. He, he implemented a, a 10,000, he, he stole $10,000 to again, redesign his entire lawn. The landscape, I happened to be living next to the guy who was in charge of the landscaping crew that was hired by the district using government money. And he was told on the job, this is what he told me as we were having a bourbon and a, and a cigar one evening. He said to me, he's a nice guy, motorcycle driver, cool dude. And his daughter was in my class too, which was rather interesting. Divorced parents, but he was, you know, he was a, he was a nice guy. Uh, I remember his name, not going to say it, but either way. We're sitting there and he's telling me all this. And he knew who I was and he invited me over and, and he got into it. And he said, the, the foreman for the job, he goes, I was the second in charge, but the foreman on the job who was in charge of landscaping the new high school and renovating the landscaping on the new high school after this hurricane blew through, walked up to me and my crew and told us to go over to the superintendent's house to landscape his lawn. The guy looked at him and said, I'm not doing that. That's not our job. And then he said, well, I'm telling you to do it, and I'm your boss, so you have to do it. And he goes, no, I don't. It's not our job to take taxpayer dollars to go landscape the superintendent's lawn when the money is supposed to be going here. He said, well, I'm telling you to do this. And again, I'm your boss. And if you don't do it, I'm going to fire you. And he said, I quit. And he just walked off the job. That was it. This was, this was a guy of real high moral standards. <laughs> I liked him a lot. He was a, he was a, he was a badass. This guy was a cool dude. And, uh, and there you go. And he said, and he even told me, he said, you know where the superintendent lives? I said, no, he, he told me where he lives and I never ended up going and checking it out, but he said they did serious stonework all around his, his property, not him, but they of course replaced him with someone else who would go do the job. And they ended up doing it anyway. They put in a giant fountain, all these, uh, uh, they're not, they're not queen palm trees. They're the, the king palm trees, the, the, those, those big ones, those big round ones. They put a bunch of those in his, in his, you know, in his yard and those are expensive. Those aren't cheap. Um, yeah, at least 10 grand for a superintendent. Again, you're hard pressed to find a morally sound superintendent is my overall point. You're not going to find them. If they're not sexually harassing the staff around them, if they're not skimming off the top, if they're not wasting money, they're not buying themselves cell phones with this, you know, brand new cell phones and technology for themselves with district funds, if they're not paying for their own automobile with district funds, if they're not paying for their gasoline with district funds, I mean, these are the things that they do. You're not going to find a person that's not doing that kind of stuff. So the very position of a superintendent almost implies that you're in a moral piece of trash. That's kind of the way that it goes. Um, okay. And then their, their other point again was this year, they said 2023, 20, 24, 
my daughter and I met with a principal over a student saying a few things that included that they would, quote, put a bomb on her doorstep and blow your mother up, unquote. They said the principal who knows I'm going to be an involved parent, uh, meeting the point to say my daughter's name at the start, making it clear I was a third party. Again, this is this is a just a very quick side note here. This is a tactic that a principal would use again to drive a wedge between the principal, the school, and the child and the parent. I mean, they're basically trying to get in between in order to sort of make the parent look like they're not doing something that they should be doing when in fact they're probably doing everything that they that they can. Um, and then they said, uh, let me see here. It says, quote, then ask things like, quote, why do you think he was so mad? Questions that if she were to answer would mean she knew what he was feeling, what he was thinking, like she was a mind reader and could be responsible for his actions and thoughts. I chimed in and pointed out and th- pointed pointed this out, and then she did it again. So this must be a female principal, and then leading questions um, that I'm not appropriate in ad- that are not appropriate in adults and student interactions. Uh, again, yeah, principals le- asking leading questions is is also common, and that's done for again a variety of reasons, not just driving the wedge between the parent and the child to to make it sound like again government the school and the principal are the only morally sound ones that exist but it's also to raise any suspicion with cps that way if something really does happen that's bad they can say that they met with you as a principal and that the principal doesn't necessarily trust the parent that the principal is suspicious of the parent quote unquote and as a result of of their opinion on a particular situation, maybe the principal needs to get CPS involved. This is a this is a level of government overreach that is beyond malicious and beyond criminal, but it happens all of the time. All the time. They then said this. They said this year's uh, there's been a few things that have left me with questions. What actual rights do parents have concerning their students? Well. Parents have none in the American K-12 school system, public, private, or charter. You have all the rights when you homeschool them because that's the most realistic scenario. They said uh, they have identified themselves as as corporations. Does this change everything? It just makes it worse. The corporate arm has always had its fingers inside of the American K-12 school system manipulating everything. That's only gotten bigger, and it's only going to get bigger. It's not going to go away. They said they uh, they poignantly addressed the students while ignoring the parent. Why? They Again, for all the reasons of driving the wedge between the child and the parent. It's a manipulation tactic, and it's it's also them setting the stage to use you as a guilty party if something bad happens that's that's all i mean it's not all you know that's it's a terrible situation but it's it's manipulation and again many principals and superintendents are taught to be manipulators look at school board members for god's sakes they're notorious manipulators and some of the worst ones happen to be on the left side of the paradigm so to speak and and they're usually the former educators themselves 
I mean, we've got former educators on the school board where I live, and these people are monsters. They manipulated massive schemes that I've been over on the show here, uh, again, regarding tax levies and we're going to make the parents pay by taking away busing. I mean, this, this is the way that they think because they're sociopaths. So anyway, that, that was basically the gist of their email. They asked a few more questions more specifically, but again, uh, I emailed them back. And again, if, if there's anybody out there who has questions like this, don't, don't, you know, don't hesitate to email me. Always email me. I'll, I'll give you my straight up answer. You can keep listening to the show. I, I cover a lot of this on the show too. But uh, I'll always respond to you, and I'll go through it point by point. I'm not going to be quick with an email response back. I'll give you the full juice, the best way that I can that I can break it down. But the end game scenario is always the same. If you take your child out permanently and your child is old enough to read and write, the socialism, they're not going to be socialized. All of that's propaganda. Well, they're not in a brick-and-mortar building, so they're not going to be learning. Propaganda. Well, they're not going to be associated with a sports team. And I mean, how are they going to get a scholarship? It's propaganda. It's all propaganda. It's all gaslighting. It's all intentional. It's just the invisible hand of government reaching into your back, grabbing your spine as a parent, and yanking you around in one direction and another. That's exactly what it is. And unfortunately, it's very prevalent and it isn't going away which means you have to go away with your child. You have to remove your child from the environment. I always recommend watching the Abeka YouTube videos because, again, lots of different scenarios of people, lots of different families, lots of different dynamics. But what you don't see is a depressed child learning on Abeka and then having free time during the day to learn other things. Again, the Internet's a wonderful place. There's a lot of great things that exist on the internet that are appropriate for children, but also that are adult content that aren't, you know, pornographic in in any way, of course, but, but they're newsworthy and they're real discussions of things that are happening that are going to expand their thinking because that's really what it boils down to. The American K-12 school system doesn't want people thinking. They want you doing. And they want you doing what they want you to do. So how's that working out for everybody thus far? Again, the people who took the shots, for example, bless their hearts, these were the people who probably loved school. They loved it. They were like, oh, school's the best. I was on student council. It was great. I played for this sports team. What a memory. Wish I could go back and relive it. Please. That's embarrassing. Those were the people who were more likely to go along because, they're, it, because it was beaten into them. They were trained to think that way by the system itself. So just keep in mind that it's not going to change. That's going to get worse. And the more money that these districts lose and the more panic that they engage in, that's when, again, you start to see the more violent approaches and the more desperate approaches be taken. It's no different than a wounded animal. A wounded animal who is a violent animal is going to thrash out more when they're dying than, than they would if they were actually alive and healthy. If they were alive and healthy, they, they might leave you alone. But if they're desperate and they're starving, well, then they're going to come after you. And they're going to do things 
that they never would have done in the past. That's what that's one of the things that we're seeing right now. We've been seeing it for a long time, all the gender bending bathroom stuff, you know, the queer this, queer that, rainbow flags, Antifa flags, Black Lives Matter flags. I mean, pick a flipping subject. But that's it. We're seeing, you know, the I don't know, the the lunging from a rattlesnake that's been cut in half. The head's not cut off yet, and it hasn't been smashed with a rock. Until that happens, they're going to keep lunging at people that are the closest to them. And unfortunately, if your children are in these systems, they're the ones that are being lunged at by the system. And that's not a healthy environment for them, their mind, their body. And then they bring that home to you as a parent, and then what? So one of the benefits, and I'll end with this before I play this audio example from a a Washington a Washington State High School. This story is absolutely hilarious and completely unbelievable. But um, again, one of the largest benefits to homeschooling has to do with the frame of mind of your child. I can't tell you the number of times I've heard people say that they sent their children to the American K-12 school systems. They don't send them anymore. They homeschool them, and they've seen an instant behavioral change in their child in a positive way. They aren't panicked. They aren't anxious. They're smiling and laughing more. They're walking upright with their shoulders back and their head up. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how they're always supposed to be. That's how they're always supposed to be. And if they don't look like that to you, then you need to change their environment as a parent. And you need to do it quickly because time's running out here. Again, you've heard me say regarding the political and medical landscape, when all hell breaks loose, you don't want your kids in this system again. You don't want them around these dummies when they start implementing masks again. You don't want them around these dummies when they start, again, engaging fake school shooting drills all over again or giving them more surveys or giving them whatever it is that they give them and believing the next political thing that just comes down the line like the NPCs that they are. This is not what you this is not what you want. Because that just means that if you can see it and you know it's wrong, then why would you subject your child to that environment? So again I think the choice is rather clear, and I think that, frankly, it's getting clearer by the day. But let me play this audio now. This is from a local news outlet, again, in uh, Washington State, Bellingham, I'm sorry, I I think it's Bellingham, Bellingham High School or something along those lines. Anyway, it's a, they're calling it fake racism. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, I'm just going to play the audio. I'm not even. I'm not even going to set it up. I'm just going to play it, and then I'll jump in at the end. It's about two and a half minutes long. It's filled with liars, and it's filled with manipulation. I can't. Uh, I can't even believe this was actually real. So, give this a listen in three, two, one. A racist sign was found near Bellingham High School, and frustrated parents want to know what's happening inside the school. WBZ's Christina Hager's live in Bellingham tonight. Christina, the school says hate has no place on its campus. Elisa, the superintendent sent out an email this week saying he's deeply saddened and that the school staff works hard to create an environment where all students can feel like they belong. But some parents here say more needs to be done. 
Stop white hate, said the sign near the entrance of Bellingham High School. Police say two residents removed it when they saw it Saturday and brought it here to the police department, concerned about the tone. I don't know what led to it. I don't know why they, they put it up there. I don't know if it was a, a parent that's upset because of the way things are going. Since the spot is removed from the high school building, police say there are no security cameras where someone had propped the sign up along the main road. There are hate crimes, right? And they have hate crime rules in the school, so enforce them. It has some parents concerned. Tierra Bacchus's daughter told her about it after the superintendent sent this email calling it deplorable. She's like kind of said it like nonchalant, like it's okay. And we just we just kind of looked like how is this okay? And how are you going to just send out an email and expect everything to be fine? Like it, it's heartbreaking. She says it's not the first time her kids have experienced racial tension at school. These boys had a rope and they kept on saying the N-word. And my daughter, she got up and she went to the guidance counselor. Police say school resource officers never heard about that. The nice part with having the SROs up there is we, we want the kids to go to them. They're visible. They're there all the time and they're visible. So if they had a concern or have a concern, by all means, they should go talk to them. And one of those parents tells us she's so upset she's now considering moving her students to a different school. Police are telling us there is no danger to students or the general public. In Bellingham, Christina Hager, WBZ News. Okay, first of all, Apparently, a sign that says stop white hate is racist. Now, someone explain that to me. Why is, why is that racist? If it said stop black hate, there'd be a full-blown investigation. The FBI would show up. Jackets and everything. But it says stop white hate. But that's racist. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. So what do they do then? What does the news outlet do beyond calling it a racist sign? This is where the CIA gets involved with the media. This is what this, is what this entire thing is. What they should have done is they should have, as a news outlet, interviewed white parents and white students and said, somebody put this sign here. That's interesting. Are white people being discriminated against in this school? Are white people being made fun of, put down, beat up? Uh, is, is something else happening that we need to know about? They didn't do that. They went and interviewed two black women who claimed to be mothers of children within the school. And then, of course, the one quote-unquote mother claims that her own daughter was chased around school being called the N-word with you know by a by a white student with a rope and she went to the guidance counselor if you see the audio which is on my gab okay the actual video rather if you see it you can tell that this woman is lying through her teeth she's lying not a word of it is true her daughter was never chased around school with a rope being called the n-word by a white student it's ridiculous Absolutely ridiculous. And then, of course, the newswoman was like, oh, well, the resource officer never heard about that. I wonder why. Because it didn't happen. 
it just it blows me away. But but either way, and again, they may have edited it out. I have no idea. But shame on the police chief. I mean, he should have said that's not a crime. What should happen is is they should be investigating whether or not white students are being attacked in the school, whether or not somebody's being discriminated against. That's what should happen. But that's not what's happening. Apparently, when you say stop white hate, that's a hate crime toward blacks. I don't get it. Hmm. Everything is upside down in this upside down world, isn't it? Again, I'm holding up four fingers. How am I? How many am I holding up? You're holding up four. No, I'm not. It's five. Here's the message from their superintendent. A message from Bellingham School District. Quote, it has come to my attention that last Saturday, November 5th, someone or some group placed a racially charged sign on the Bellingham High School property. Why is that racially charged? They're telling people, stop hating white people. Stop white hate. What's wrong with that? It says, I'm deeply saddened that this has happened. It is deplorable. Ah, there's that word again, so I think we know how they bend politically, don't we? And it says, and we denounce it. There you go. Another word that they use regularly. Deplorable and denounce. Uh, It continues, it says, we as a school community stand for respect and inclusion. No, you don't. It says, the sign certainly does not represent the core values and beliefs of our school district. So, you hate white people then? Is that what you're trying to say? They said, we work hard to create a school atmosphere that promotes a positive learning environment for all capitalized students. No, you don't. Apparently, it's everybody but white kids. Where students are free to achieve their academic goals and successes, and a place where every student feels like, feels like they belong. Apparently not. Apparently not white kids. The Bellingham Police Department is aware of this incident and is investigating. It's not a crime. It's freedom of speech. And perhaps it's a warning that everybody should take seriously. Maybe you should be a little more vigilant against whites being discriminated against, being beat up, assaulted, called names, whatever it is. You know, if you're interested in inclusion for all students and a positive learning environment for all students but they aren't are they well there's more proof right there pull your children out they've misinterpreted the entire sign <laughs> they've, they've they've got it all backwards inside out and upside down it can't get any clearer with that just nuts i'm telling you these environments They're not getting better. Everybody's more brainwashed, and let's face it, everybody's jabbed. So no one's thinking clearly. Okay. Jab-related things. I'm going to mention this first, and I really only have uh, two specific things. Let's see here. First of all, I was mentioning again the insurance-related stuff and how the insurance numbers are really the kicker when it comes to the jab and how that's really showing the depopulation and that nefarious agenda. Shame on anybody who doesn't know that that's happening, by the way, like Steve Kirsch. Steve Kirsch is having a hard time wrapping his arms around, his double-jabbed arms around the, uh, 
the depopulation agenda. He doesn't think this was done on purpose. Well, he's sorely mistaken. So here's Mike Yeadon's take. Dr. Mike Yeadon, former uh, vice president of Pfizer, and he said the following here on Telegram, and I follow him on Telegram. I highly recommend doing the same. But he said this. He said, quote, I recall Ed Dowd saying that the one place where he was sure it wouldn't be possible to hide the effect of the intentionally harmful, my words, COVID injections was the insurance industry. That is a truly huge sector. Very large sums of paid have are paid rather in life premiums and policies are payable under various circumstances. If the insurance company pays out less in legitimate claims than it receives in premiums, they have a business. If not, they go bust. This would constitute a monumental problem. Individuals cannot hedge personally against the worst outcomes in life, and an inability to secure a hedge in the form of affordable insurance policies would be devastating to the entire way our society and economies function. What we're seeing now is a very large, more than 20% increase in claims related to, to the deaths, while insured, presumably mostly through their employees' group life plans, on behalf of young adults. He said, now people in this category die only rarely, but the payouts can be large, being a multiple of their salary in most cases. Look at the tragic scale of the increase in claims resulting from the increase in deaths in young people. Unless you're like the medical profession, who are completely baffled, quote-unquote, as to what might be causing this excess in deaths, you will regard this as proof that these injections are doing exactly was intended them to do, it said. Finally, I would argue that this is imminently shareable with normies. He says, perhaps present them with the facts and ask their own opinions as to what it might mean. If they say it's COVID, obviously, quote unquote, tell them that deaths in young people are increased the most in those in employment. These typically are the most healthy individuals. Unfortunately, many were pressured to get jabbed. He then wrapped up and said, quote, if they cannot refute the evidence, state that politely, and leave them to think about it. While many people are very uh, resistant to persuasion, I do think this evidence is compelling. I see no way out of concluding what we know to be true. Best wishes and good luck in helping those you care about join us in our awful realization, unquote. He's right on a variety of reasons. And I've brought most of this up here too, but specifically, again, the age groups that he's talking about are the individuals in their 20s and 30s. That these are the people, again, that are really suffering from this. And again, it's not just the insurance industry where you can see this, as you've heard me say, it's the college campuses. Just look around. They're vacant. And they're continuing to be vacant. And then, of course, the tuition drops and tuition's now free. And we need everybody to live on campus and all these other schemes that they're engaging in in order to plug all of the holes 
that they themselves caused as a result of their jab rollout and their jab mandates, which have wiped out endless people. So, yeah, there's no doubt that the insurance game is one of those games where you can clearly see the difference and something is going on that's never gone on before. But if you're a non-thinking person, like the treasurer of the school district where my niece and nephew go, well, ladies and gentlemen, a 13.2% increase is just the way that the market is now, quote-unquote, according to them. No, that's not what's happening. You have more dead people and you have more sick people. And when you have more dead people, you need to raise the cost of your insurance for everybody who's still alive, including the sick people, and certainly them because they're the ones using it the most. Which means that everybody's costs are going to go up, including, again, you would think somebody like me, who's healthy and doesn't go to the hospital or doctor's office ever. But again, I was fortunate enough to find a plan that was far cheaper than the one that I currently had the last year. But that's not the case with everybody. So again, you know, everybody's trying to find different ways to to either get insured, and plenty of people, of course, are not insured. And that's their choice, and they have the freedom to do that as an American. Hell, there was a time when there was no insurance. So those times existed too. But at least, thank God, they got rid of the Obama mandate where you had to be insured or else you were going to be fined over $1,000. I'm telling you, that was certainly purposeful. And it was certainly purposeful, in my opinion, because of this. I brought that up a long time ago, but it's worth a quick revisit. They got rid of that, or I should say, Obama and his administration, which of course were all deep state terrorists, every single one of them implemented that you had to have health insurance or else you'd get fined $1,000 a year because they knew that the depopulation agenda was coming out. They knew it was going to happen. And, that if you, and they knew that the collapse of our, our dollar in our economy was at hand because that's what they were always trying to do. So the fastest way to make somebody bankrupt is to make them sick and make them uninsured. That if you think that you're going to get by by just taking shots and shots are going to make you healthy, well, then you won't feel like you need health insurance because you're jabbed to the bone with medicine and preventative medicine. Joke's on you. Now the jabbed are using the doctor's offices more frequently than they've ever used them before. Oops. That was part of the plan. I have no doubt about it in my mind. Okay. Just one last thing. We'll see what happens with this. I'm not holding my breath, but I will probably watch it just to see what gets said. This was Tom Rents uh, on Twitter just the other day, and he said, just to be clear, we will get justice for the vaccine injured. I want to thank Marjorie Taylor Greene for her courage in having this special hearing. This is what leaders do. By doing this, she is standing up for the most powerful and corrupt people in the world, and I hope everyone will thank blah, 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 blah. So Marjorie Taylor Greene has come out of the woodwork yet again, and you know I'm not a fan of hers because, again, she's a cockroach. She's an opportunist. She only comes out when the lights come on, and she's always late to the party. Uh, But she's decided to put together 
and injuries caused by COVID-19 vaccines conference thing. And unfortunately, these special witnesses are going to be Robert Malone, uh, Kimberly Bliss, Dr. Kimberly Bliss, Tom Rents, uh, Colonel Teresa Long. She's, she's fine. I don't have a problem with her at all. And I like Tom Rents. I'm not a fan of Robert Malone, as you know. But uh, we'll see if anybody else is there. And we'll see what, if, if anything new gets said. I would love somebody to question Robert Malone. Why is it that you were in a lab making a living, building things for something that doesn't exist? Why were you playing with poisons and mRNA thinking that someday you'd use it for something? And that someday that thing would help people? And of course, why, do you, why are you trying to get on the right side of history now? So, I don't know. I don't trust any of it. I don't like any of it. Ron Johnson did his thing. That had its impact. We got our sound bites out of that. A lot of people learned a lot of information from that. I don't necessarily trust Large Marge here. I don't think, uh, I don't, I, she's certainly not very knowledgeable on the subject. Um, and if it's being led by Robert Malone, well, then God help us all. So, it's just, it's just late to the party propaganda, as far as I'm concerned. But that's my two cents. I'll still watch it just to see what happens. But either way, that's taking place at 3 p.m. on Monday, November 13th. All right. I'm, I'll tell you what. I'm going to end with this. Uh, first of all, Kim Carter is doing very well. I highly recommend checking out her, uh, her TikTok page. In fact, here's her uh, TikTok handle. It's K-E-J-K-B-5. It's all lowercase. And then it's the number five. So K-E-J-K-B-5. And, uh, and there you go. She's, she's posting videos where she's talking about, again, a lot of what's going on in the hospitals and, of course, the entire system as a whole. She's also putting together, uh, she's put together a couple of videos describing it. But in one of the videos, in part one, she specifically describes and shows something that, she, that is actually called Coral Detox Plus. It's a detoxifying, basically, product or a series of products that exists in this box. And she says that that's what she's going to be taking. Uh, she's learned about it, and she seems to trust it. I'm going to link that in the description below if you're interested in purchasing it. Again, I haven't done a deep dive on it. Um, I trust her, but I, I haven't looked into it myself yet. But I, I found the website, and it's about $152. It's rather pricey. Um, but again, it's a, it's a multi-compound detoxing process essentially for multiple parts of the body, which is great. Um, on top of that, if you type in coral detox on a search engine, you're going to find a lot of their coral detox products. So again, you can look into that if you're interested and, and give that a look. I always recommend detoxing from a number of different things on a constant basis, but uh, and certainly so does Kim as well. So again, I'll link that website in the description below, and you can check that out. Okay. It's my mom's 75th birthday today, too. So bam. Happy birthday, Mom. The big 7-5. There you go. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll catch you on Monday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.